Whiskey, General? Grant pondered the suggestion, and the flask that the young colonel, an Illinoisan named David York, was offering. There was a chill on the evening, and Grant was feeling it, though there was a fire on every hearth here in Cherry Mansion, the house overlooking the Tennessee River he had taken as his headquarters. Worse than the damp cold was the pain in his ankle. The previous night he'd taken a bad fall on his battle horse, Fox, rushing toward the sound of rebel firing in driving rain and on muddy ground. His leg had gone beneath the animal, and only the softness of the soaked earth had spared him serious injury. But his ankle had been so badly hurt, the surgeon had had to cut off his boot, and he'd been walking on crutches all day. Here in the parlor of Cherry Mansion, he'd propped his injured foot on a low stool, but otherwise was conducting business as usual and smoking a cigar. Grant had left the door to this room open. Several officers were standing about in the hallway beyond, talking quietly. There was an aura of calm about the place, despite the masses of troops, ordnance, and equipment gathered on both sides of the river. There had been that firing and some bold displays by Confederate cavalry, but from all reports, the rebel army was still some twenty or more miles to the south at Corinth, the rail junction that was the next goal of Grant's Army of the Tennessee, after his twin successes at Forts Henry and Donelson. Grant was far from completely convinced they'd be free from attack in their present position, but confident enough to relax when he could. His adjutant, Captain John A. Rawlins was off on a lengthy errand. He'd been with Grant since Illinois, and had appointed himself the general's guardian against the temptations of John Barleycorn. The general plucked up a coffee cup from the table next to him and extended it toward the flask. I'm obliged, Colonel. He watched as the amber liquid came halfway up the inside of the cup, then raised his other hand to make the pouring stop. Thank you, sir. Much obliged. It's fine Kentucky whiskey, General. We acquired a few cases at Clarksville. Despite his youth, Colonel York had been a congressman for a term before the war and was in the habit of taking liberties. He still harbored political ambitions for after the war, though he was a Democrat, a party in decline in Illinois with the Lincolnites in ascendancy. Grant sipped then took in a rolling mouthful of the good cigar smoke. These were simple pleasures, but he knew of none greater, save the companionship of his wife Julia and his children. Were Julia here, he would have given no thought to whiskey whatsoever. Were she here, he'd not be working this late. Certainly not with things so quiet. It has my endorsement, Grant said, setting down the cup. If you would, Colonel. That map? He gestured toward his writing desk, which had been set up across the room. Yes, sir. York moved quickly, fetching the map and placing it in Grant's hands as a waiter in a restaurant might a menu. Though Grant had established his main supply depot on the eastern shore of the Tennessee River here at Savannah, he'd placed most of his army on the other side, on ground that protected his base at Pittsburgh Landing a few miles to the south. There were five full divisions camped on the bluffs and in the woods over there, 
with flanks anchored on two creeks. General Sherman held the westernmost position, starting at Owl Creek. Then came General McClernand's division, holding ground along the Hamburg-Purdy Road, with General W. H. L. Wallace's division to the east of him, and General Hurlbut's troops to the east of Wallace's. Hurlbut's line extended almost to Lick Creek, a stream feeding into the Tennessee River. General Prentiss had camped his division far out in front of the others, but he'd posted extra pickets and warned them to be alert.